TV reality shows continue to be hugely popular. How else would you keep up with the, the Kardashians or um, discover what the real lives of the women of LA or Cheshire were like? Uh, to be honest, I've not watched these shows myself. I think I've managed about 15 minutes of a show called The Osbournes about 20 years ago. Uh, the cameras followed the everyday life of rock legend Ozzy Osbourne and his wife Sharon. I think it only took a few minutes to realize that the life of uh, rock and roll and drug taking does fry your brains and it wasn't the life for me. So forget the Osbournes. What about the Nazarene? I mean, what would that be like to see a reality TV show, camera on the wall, view of the life of Jesus? Obviously video cameras were not available, but Mark wrote down the eyewitness account of Peter as we're gonna see was there from the very beginning. So if you love reality TV shows, take a look at this life. Take a fresh look at Jesus and compare him with every other person you've ever known. I mean, there's a lot of detail here, isn't there? But if I was naming this particular episode on a reality TV, I think I'd call it authority. Mark wants us to see that Jesus is the Messiah King by seeing him in action. And what we see is his amazing authority. We're going to look at four kind of key incidents or different aspects of the authority of Jesus in this account. First, we see his authority to call men in verses uh, 16 to 20. I suppose the opening shot would have been Jesus walking into uh, the shot as he's walking beside the Sea of Galilee, a large freshwater lake on the north of Israel. And there's some men busy at work, two sets of brothers, possibly partners in the same fishing business, James and John, Andrew and Simon, otherwise known as Peter. And they would never forget this moment. Uh, they're doing their regular work. They're casting the nets into the lake from the shore, James and John fixing the nets in the boat, when Jesus turned up and turned their lives upside down. Come and follow me, he said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, can you imagine this scene for a moment in your own life? Let's pretend coronavirus is over and you're back in your workplace doing whatever you normally do. And I walk in and I say to you, follow me. Leave all this stuff behind and I want you to go and uh, follow me wherever I go. I mean, what would your reaction be? Who does he think he is? But there's something about Jesus that no sooner does he call them that they respond immediately. It's extraordinary, isn't it? What does that tell you about Jesus? He is a person with awesome authority. Anyone who has served in the military will know about this sort of authority. When your commanding officer gives you orders, you are trained to obey, to obey instantly. And that's the sort of authority that we see here. Now, the second and third examples of authority take place in church. So let's follow Jesus along with Simon, Peter, Andrew, James and John as they go to the synagogue. And there we see his amazing authority in his teaching. If you take a look at verse 21, uh, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. 
The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teacher of the law. Now, the church video site uh, gives me lots of interesting information. It tells me how many people watch the, 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 the files and also tells me when people switch off during the sermon, which is quite sobering. But nobody switched off when Jesus was teaching in this synagogue. They'd never heard anyone teach like this before. None of the scribes taught in this way. The teachers of the law didn't come up with their own material. As with most of my sermons, the best stuff was taken from quoting other people, higher authorities on the matter, more scholarly people. But Jesus did not teach like that. He taught with his own authority. Just for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeatedly says things like this, you heard it was said, quoting the authorities of the past, but I say to you, or in John's gospel, over and over again, we hear Jesus say, truly, truly, I say to you, this is the truth. You don't need to go anywhere else. Or listen to what Jesus uh, taught his disciples. It's recorded later in Mark's chapter 13. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Amazing authority in his teaching. I mean, he's saying the whole world will have disappeared, but all through eternity, my words will remain true and significant. Who does Jesus think he is? And even as they witness an extraordinary event in the synagogue, an exorcism, what is it at the end of the meeting that they're all talking about? A coffee time. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. So we see his authority to call people, authority in his teaching. But we also see in these verses Jesus' authority over demonic power. I mean, this was no ordinary Saturday in the synagogue. As Jesus is teaching a man, perhaps someone who sat there quietly for many Sabbaths before, he just starts shouting out and making a scene. Always a bit awkward, especially in a British context. There are so many bizarre Hollywood ideas about the supernatural. But what we need to notice here is what stirs this man's reaction. It is while Jesus is teaching. You see, what Satan and his hordes hate is the truth. Jesus describes Satan as the father of lies. Satan wants to wreck our lives by ignoring the truth and to instead believe his lies. And it's Jesus teaching uh, the truth that causes the alarm bells at Satan's headquarters to go off. And in the middle of teaching, this man shouts out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, it turns out that demons have quite good theological knowledge. When Jesus withstood the temptation in the wilderness after his baptism, they knew the identity of the one they were dealing with. The Holy One of God had come. And they also knew that his mission uh, what, what it was about. He was the demon destroyer. Have you come to destroy us? He'd come to oppose and defeat evil and to recapture all those who'd been taken hostage by Satan. Now in TV land and Hollywood, you defeat demons by kickboxing and ninja sword moves. But here is the amazing authority of Jesus in the real world. He simply rebukes and commands, be quiet, come out of him. And with awful shrieking and violent shaking, this impure spirit leaves the man. Jesus doesn't call any higher authority to achieve this, simply on his own authority. What is this, they say, a new teaching and with authority? 
He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. I don't know if anyone listening has got involved with the occult or spiritually dark influences. The good news is this, Jesus has greater power and authority than the evil one. He can rescue people, setting people free from their fear and slavery to come under his loving rule and authority. John, the disciple that we're reading about here, uh, later wrote uh, in his first letter, the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. But there is one more area of authority that Mark shows us. His authority over sickness. This remarkable Sabbath day has not yet finished. It, it continues as Jesus and his disciples returned back to Simon Peter's house. If they'd expected a good lunch, they were disappointed. The, the cook was ill, sick in bed with a fever. I guess before coronavirus, we might thought, well, fever not such a big deal. But now we can freshly appreciate the concern that this could develop into a life-threatening problem. But as soon as they get in Peter's home, uh, Jesus told about the health problem. And all he had to do was to go up to her, take her hand and help her back on her feet. And the fever left her. And there was no slow recovery that day. No feeling run down for a further week after the spike temperature goes down. Instant healing. She's strong enough to serve everyone their Sabbath meal. Jesus had authority over sickness, a mere touch, and health and wholeness returns. Now, Simon Peter would not forget that day when his mother-in-law was healed. And the Sabbath ends when the sun sets, and, and as the Sabbath restrictions are removed, it seemed that the news had gone out. Anyone who was sick in, in Capernaum uh, came to stand outside Peter's house to seek to be healed. And Mark records, that's what he did. Awesome authority over people, in his teaching, over demonic power, over sickness. Now for some, all this talk about miraculous healing is exactly the reason that they cannot take the gospel seriously. Things like this simply do not happen, people say. But you see, that is the point. It didn't happen in the first century either. Uh, these were remarkable events for them too. Uh, not even Jesus' harshest critics doubted the reality of the healings that took place. Their explanation was that he was using evil powers to achieve them. Uh, the point is that a mere man cannot do the things we see Jesus doing. And that is exactly the point. Who is this Jesus? Who speaks in this way? Who acts in this way? Who are we dealing with? Those are the questions we need to be asking as we read this account. Mark's answer is this. We're dealing with Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The one who acts and speaks with the authority of God himself. And what's the significance of that authority for us today? Well, it's this. This is reality TV where you can personally know the same Jesus. And my job really is to pass on to you this invitation. Jesus is inviting you to spend the rest of your life with him. Now, the one who died on a cross, was raised from the dead, is still transforming people's lives today. King Jesus is still calling men and women to follow him today. His death and resurrection was God's declaration that Jesus is Lord and he has the rightful authority to be the most important person in your life and mine.
What does it mean uh, for you to follow Jesus? Does it mean that you should leave your job like these men did? Well, that could be the case. Who knows? Nobody knows exactly uh, what or where following Christ might take them. In my life, it means it can take a Welsh dentist to study theology in Australia and then pass a church in America and then move him back to Scotland. I mean, who knows what it will mean for you? The first thing we need to be clear about, though, as we look at this gospel account is that you can't just apply this passage straight to you. Uh, this is a specific call to specific people. This is the way that Jesus called Simon, Andrew, James and John. Jesus does not call us all to leave our places of work when we become Christians. But Mark does want to teach us about discipleship. It's a very important theme throughout his gospel account. Uh, later in Mark, we're going to hear Jesus inviting the crowd to follow him. And I think there are some general lessons that we can learn even as we think about their specific call, as their call to come and follow Jesus. Here's a few things. Jesus calls us not only to salvation, but also to service. Uh, Jesus calls these men to change their careers from catching fish to catching people. Uh, these men would become the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And he was calling um, them to go into the rest of the world to tell others about him. As he had called them to follow, they're going to go out and call others to follow and enter into the kingdom of God. And so Christians today, how are we serving King Jesus? This call to be a disciple is a call to help others become disciples. And how are we getting on with that? But you might say, well, look, I don't know what to do. I'll be no use. But notice that those he calls, secondly, he also equips. You could translate the original Greek words in this way. Come, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. If we make ourselves available, he will enable us. But thirdly, notice that there is a cost. That following Christ means that we will have to leave things behind. In verse 18, Simon and Andrew, they had to leave their nets behind. They walk away from their trade and security of regular means of support. And for James and John, it meant leaving their father behind. Can you imagine the pathos of that scene? You know, Zebedee's pride in his boys growing up, joining the family business. It was obviously quite a successful business. They had hired men as well. I mean, they would be able to take it over and, uh, and uh, he'd be able to watch them make the business flourish. But Jesus calls them instead. And they're willing to leave it all behind, leave their dad standing in the boats, watching them walk away. There are costs to following Jesus. Things that we might have to leave behind. Following Jesus could mean losing friends, losing social status, facing misunderstanding, hostility from our families. And Jesus invites all those who want to follow him to actually be willing to even leave their lives behind. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, he said. There is a cost, but the compensations are very great indeed. To lose your life for Jesus and his gospel is to gain life. To walk through life with Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. What an incredible privilege. What an adventure that is to know him and to be equipped by him. It means a life of purpose and meaning, a life of community, uh, where you get to know other disciples of Christ. 
what a comfort and reassurance it is to know that your Lord and Saviour has awesome authority over evil and wickedness. He's sovereign over all things. What peace can be ours even if we find ourselves struggling to breathe in intensive care as David Wilson did and shared in, this, uh, in the service earlier. To trust the one who died and rose again is to know that not even death can separate us from his everlasting kingdom. This is God's king. He sent him to save us, to teach us, to lead us. Is he your Lord and Savior? Um, maybe you've got questions. Let us know. We'd love to help you to sort this out. But actually what Jesus would say to you today is this. Repent and believe the good news.